American Gunslingers featuring Ubaldi Reports. Hey, everybody. This is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one website and podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues that confront America, whether domestically or internationally. And there's a lot going on um, around the world, but especially here in America. So first, before we get started, I introduce my co-host or my fellow contemporary is Big Bad Joe Bitts, retired combat Marine out of Iraq, and Ray Krause, a veteran Marine who served his country as well. So how's it going, Ray and Joe? I'm doing pretty good tonight. Ray, Don, how are you? So what are you guys up to? Anything earth-shattering in your little neck of the woods? No, it's just been a very interesting week. How's that? Well, politically-wise, I mean... Yeah, I mean, there it is. I mean... We got a lot to talk about. We do. I mean, the three subjects we're going to probably hit today, immigration, the debt ceiling, and Ukraine. But, I mean, as we start with immigration, that's been going on basically for the last two years, but it's gotten worse because the the, um, Customs and Border Patrol said for the month of December, over 250,000 illegals crossed the U.S. southern border, plus... 60,000 gotaways, the ones that they haven't captured. And so you're talking about over 300,000. And for the month, uh, excuse me, for the year of 2022, they hit a record. They beat the previous record, which was in 2021, when we had close to almost 2 million. Now we had 2.3 million illegals cross the U.S. southern border. So we're up to about 5 million in two years. And then you have the administration keep talking about how what they inherited in 2020, this is from the Customs and Border Patrol, 420,000 crossed the U.S. southern border. So basically in a month, month and a half, they'll have more crossed in the U.S. southern border than all they had in 2020. So, so didn't our president say like uh, he's going to implement something where only 33,000 people can come across? Uh, he's taking it from various countries. I think it's like Cuba, Haiti, Venezuela, and I think one or two others. But basically, he's not solving the problem mm-hmm. because what you're doing, it's, it's a magnet. And what I've said before, when you have cities and states calling them sanctuary states that they're going to accept them and they're going to provide all these benefits, what would you do? If like taking a, a case in point, uh, there's a hospital in Yuma and the mayor of Yuma says we're at a breaking point, but. This hospital said a couple of weeks ago, for the first six months of 2022, we paid out $20 million in health care to illegals. Mm-hmm. And people think it's just, you know, flu, the cold. A lot of it is heart surgery. Those who had heart conditions, you had to do dialysis, prenatal. And, and there are some can say, well, this is just a humane thing to do. Okay. But somebody's paying for that humanity. So you're actually telling people if you got a heart condition, go to America, because they'll be taken care of for, for free. So, um, yeah, I think immigration, yeah, you know, it, it is kind of like there, but I mean, I think more importantly, we should be focusing on um, we're kind of coming into Congress is kind of coming into something where we have to, I, I guess, uh, raise the debt ceiling. Yes, the debt ceiling. What it basically is, it be akin to America's credit card. These are bills that have already been paid. Okay. Excuse me, already been spent on. Yeah. And you just, you got to pay it. So basically, it's somebody who has a credit card. You spend to your limit. But then, instead of reducing spending, you go to the credit card company and said, I need you to up my limit. So that's basically what we're doing. We're trying to up the limit 
for America so they can spend more money. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, okay, let like for me, I mean, both of you guys know my financial situation. So I had to look and had to make some adjustments. So I, you know, cut back spending. I cut back on this. I moved out of where I was because it was too expensive. I moved in with a friend of mine to reduce my expenditures. Well, the government hasn't done that. Yeah. They just want to spend more money. And what I've always said is every agency has to look at, it's not cut spending, it's reform spending. Mm -hmm. And all three of us came from the Defense Department. And the Defense Department is still a government agency. I want a strong national defense. Yeah. But we spend money on areas that we shouldn't have spend on. We allocate resources. You can only spend your money there. And we're not getting the more bang for the buck. And and are we prepared for if there's a conflict coming up? I mean, we're doing things like an example. We um, we spend a billion dollars subsidizing a commissary, and a commissary is basically a grocery store for veterans, you know, for retirees, veterans, and active duty personnel. Well, that may have worked decades ago when there were bases all in the far flung reaches of the United States, but today. You go outside most major metropolitan military bases, and there's a super Walmart, super Target, Costco's, grocery stores. And even during the Obama administration, they were thinking of privatizing it or abolishing it. And the retail stores, we'll give you guys a, uh, a percentage off, let's say 10%, if you're a retiree or a veteran or whatever. But, I mean, it's just we got to do something different because we got $31 trillion in debt. Well, what is it that they're saying when it comes to like we're only want we only want more money to give more money to Ukraine? What do you, where do you stand on that? Because that seems to be like one of the topics is that we're kind of putting ourselves in debt so we can take our money and we can give it to somebody else. That's like me taking out a loan to give to you. Hey, but thanks. Oh, I know. I know you appreciate it, but you know, if I'm already in debt, why would I want to go further in debt? to help out somebody else versus my own my own my own country there's two aspects to that if you listen to the president he always said the reason why gas prices are so high and why we got higher f inflation is because of the war in ukraine mm -hmm. okay but back up a little bit is i've always supported the president giving arms to the ukrainians because they want to fight and defend their country against an aggression by russia if we don't help Ukraine, that has ramifications for other parts of, of Europe, but also China and Iran are watching that. They say, oh, the United States isn't going to help Ukraine, mm -hmm. so China can go into um, Taiwan and Iran can provide mischief throughout the Middle East. The reason I don't support the what the president is trying to do, even though I said I do support him spending money and helping Ukraine, is how he's done it. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is... It's a leader is not judged by what they do in conflict. Did you prevent the conflict in the first place? Yep. Now we'll never know. That's hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you look at Vladimir Putin, he's not acting irrational. He just saw Joe Biden when he was with Barack Obama, gave him everything they need wanted, didn't push back on him. So when he became president, what did he do? He ends America's energy independence. He gives Russia Nord Stream two, which provides natural gas and energy from um, Russia to um, to the, the Western European countries. 
You saw what happened when Russia hacked the U.S. energy sector. Biden didn't do anything. They saw the, the, the pullout, the disastrous pullout from Afghanistan. And then prior to Russia invading, he didn't want to arm the Ukrainians because he didn't want to antagonize Russia. Had he gave the Ukrainians the weapons they needed up front and told Vladimir Putin, you go into Ukraine, more power to you, but our job is to kill as many Russians as possible. They didn't do that. Now, and right now, President Biden has given money, but he's never explaining what we're trying to do. What is our end goal? Why are we giving, like right now, they're giving the Leopard tanks and um, Abrams tanks and other sophisticated weaponry to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. This is almost a year after the war started. What is your goal? Yeah. Is it just to make sure Russia doesn't win and Ukraine doesn't lose? What, what are you trying to do? It just seems like, and this isn't for me, even the um, General Jack Keane from the um, Center for, um, you know, from the Institute for Study of War, he's their CEO, said, it seems like what we're doing is we don't want Ukraine to lose, but we don't want them to win either. Yeah. And then some of the problems they're having is Germany isn't doing it what it should they're doing a little bit more now. At the beginning, they did. But when they saw the United States step up, they just stepped back. Yeah. And remember, this is the, the big uh, fight that Donald Trump had. He told Europe, why are you getting all your, your energy from Russia? We can sell it to you at fair market prices so you're not beholden to Russia. And then Germany and the Western countries aren't doing its fair share. So they, do they want us to do everything and they just get a free ride? Uh, so my other thing about what you actually just said is quite concerning as well. Um, you just said that we're now sending forward Leopard tanks and Abrams tanks, and those are some serious hardware. Correct. That's some serious machinery that we're Correct. sending. So what happened? Why are we not getting the reports of what happened to the other things, which I have a feeling, and we could speculate on what happened, but... Does this mean that the West and NATO has to possibly get ready because, you know, maybe we're not being told everything about Ukraine. And, you know, if we have to send our equipment to their front line, is it because it's falling? Is it because things are, you know, they're now starting to be on the retreat? Is Russia advancing and now NATO needs to take its actions as to a preparation no. of what we need to do in right the future? Right now, the, the Russia is badly mishandled this war we thought they were a much bigger military power than they were and a lot of it was great on paper but in reality it's not there mm -hmm. russia took a, has taken a beating and ukraine is doing fairly well they can, now it's easier to take it's easier to defend territory which russia is now defending in the eastern province like the donbass down in, in down in uh, crimea but in ukraine is now having to it's a little harder to be on the offense so they're pushing, they're really pushing Russia to the breaking point. Is this maybe like uh, we're kind of dipping our toe in the water in a way where we're like, let's see how Ukraine does against Russia. And if they do okay, that means America can come here and just steamroll right over them. The biggest problem that I see is not what you've laid out, is we're giving Ukraine our Abrams tanks and we're giving them javelins and all, you know missiles, anti-tank missiles, anti-ship and all this other stuff. Now, there was a report by Seth Jones from the um, Strategic Center for Strategic International Studies saying that we're depleting our own stockpile and we're not replenishing them. 
And the problem is if there's a conflict somewhere else or something that needs America involvement, we're not going to have the resources to do that. Let's say China did go into Taiwan. How would we respond? Or let's say Iran did something. And we're not – and it, the report said on some of these things, I'm not sure which one. Let's say it's the javelin, just to throw it out there. It could take about eight to ten years to fully replenish that stockpile. So my question is, why is it taking so long? I know one of the reasons is once the Cold War ended in the 90s, we didn't we consolidated a lot of our defense industry. So there's only like one or two companies making one of these and not just – Spread it out. So that's my concern. And then there, and then China and these other countries are seeing that America is reducing its defense budget. Now, it looks big now, but it's actually a defense cut because if you factor in inflation, there's a problem. And that goes back to what I said during the, um, the raising of the debt ceiling. America needs to look at how it spends its money. Like we wasted well over $100 billion over the last 20, 30 years on weapon systems that didn't work. Now, all three of us came from the, uh, the military, I mean, from the Marines. Well, the Marines' logistics system is different than the Army's logistics, and the same with the other services. And going back to like the budget, 60% of the budget is through entitlement spending. This is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. You can't change it unless you change the law. Now, the president, President Biden, is is acting to me in a duplicitous manner when he's accusing the Republicans of wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare. No Republicans advocated that. Only Rick Scott, but he did, is wanted to reform it. Now, the Congressional Budget Office, which is a nonpartisan um, operation working out of the Congress, said that by 2033, Social Security is broke. So you got two choices, raise taxes substantially or cut benefits substantially. Nobody wants to do either one, but no one wants to address it. So all these things, we need to have a comprehensive look at how we spend our money. We're all got budgets. I mean, Joe, you have a family budget. Ray, you're trying to get a business. You're all looking at your budgets. Why is government different? And it's not a spend. It's not a revenue thing. It's spending. Then if you want to get back on the revenue side, how about encouraging business to operate as a business? How about bring more of the American supply chain back from overseas set up here? But we don't do those things. So all this plays into what's going on. So I think Ray's got something. Uh, so Spike and Louie said it's because the Ukrainian hardware has been you have it wrong. I guess maybe something about the Ukraine hardware. But while we try to get more a little bit more context from Spike, what is your thought about it, or have you heard that um, Putin and the Taliban leaders are kind of like talking to each other? And then one of the deals is like, hey, we'll officially recognize you if you give us all that stuff that the U.S. left there uh, a couple of years I ago. I haven't heard that one. That would be that would be kind of difficult to deal. I could see. I'm not sure how Russia and the Taliban would work together since Russia was heavily involved yeah. in that part of the world. So that's probably just like hearsay I, or I, that maybe would, I would have to get that into more context. I haven't heard that now. It wouldn't be. What's going on shocked. right now, China's giving stuff, but Iran is definitely giving a lot of their drones and a lot of their uh, military equipment is being sent to um, 
to Russia to help because they're depleting fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're calling up ma- massive amounts of uh, reserves, conscripts, draft. So now there are estimates they've lost about up to or uh, towards a hundred thousand troops, and you know, Ukraine's probably lost the, the, that amount. But Russia's lost a lot of its frontline equipment, and their equipment wasn't the best. Now that we're seeing, it wasn't the best um, at even uh, at that point either. Not comparable to the West. What's your maybe opinion about maybe we did leave all that equipment there, but we kind of like <clears throat> let everybody be like, hey, damage it or just take out the major components so that, you know, it can't be operational or deemed operational. Some of the stuff we did, like some of the helicopters we left behind, we made them non-operational. Mm-hmm. But we left a lot of weapons. Well, we, I mean, if you pack cra- a little bit of C4 into the chamber and the first round But we didn't do that. And- we left about, I think as the reports are, $80 billion worth of military equipment to the Taliban. So mm-hmm. if you look at the Taliban, they were having, you know, AR, AR-15s, automatic weapons that are Western weapons, modernized weapons that was left by the night, night vision goggles. So we left a lot of stuff to the Taliban. We basically rearmed a terror organization, and whoever they are allies. Okay, with. you know what? I, I and I've you and I have both experienced NVGs or night vision goggles. Yeah. Those things are crap anyway. Not really. The I infantry mean, ones are, but yeah. but some of the night vision that I've yeah, seen some are some of the weapons. Some of the night vision goggles that we have are really good. Now they'll be able over the years, just like in. Um, we armed the Iranians prior to the Iranian Revolution in 1979. Mm-hmm. So when the Iranian Revolution took hold, they got a lot of American military equipment, meaning the F-14s. You saw this in the new version of Top Gun. Mm-hmm. The problem is they weren't able to get the spare parts and the, the, the repairs that they needed to maintain that equipment, and that degraded over time. So there could be the possible the same thing here. But the whole point is regarding the Ukraine part, is had the president done things before? Now, mm-hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty. We don't know, and it's just like when President Trump was president, he was a lot of times irrational on certain things. But there was when he did act, he acted decisively. Like he killed al Baghdadi, he killed Qasem Soleimani, which everybody was against. But he also killed two, three, two to three hundred Russian mercenaries in Syria. And Putin never said anything about it because then he would have to admit that Russian mercenaries were in Syria. Mm -hmm. So as much as people want to bemoan Donald Trump's foreign policy, this didn't happen. Russia didn't move. China didn't move. Iran didn't move Mm -hmm. because they knew, one, that he was unpredictable. But when he did act, he acted decisively. Now, if you go back to the, the, uh, the quote that George Washington stated in front of a joint session of Congress, the surest way to preserve peace is to prepare for war. Yeah. But other things in today's world, my question to Joe Biden and Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and what are you trying to do? What is your goals? Okay, I know you want to arm the Ukrainians. I got it. But that's a tactic. What is your ultimate strategy to end the war? What if they don't want to end it? That's what we would like to know. Then, well, then you mean, got a problem here. So, I mean, were, going back, I mean, we've heard that maybe some of the classified documents that have been found in the Biden's possession or in his administration had to do with Russia or had to well, do with I Ukraine. Know what you're talking about because 
um, Miranda Devine wrote something that there was one classified document, excuse me, there was one email that I think it was sent to the vice president of Ukraine. And she said it was very detailed. Mm-hmm. I mean, extremely detailed beyond Joe, I mean, Hunter Biden's intellect. Not saying Hunter Biden is not intelligent, but for somebody who had no experience in Eastern Europe, no experience in the energy field, and no experience or knowledge of the language, to write a comprehensive, very thoughtful, was a long email speed. And a, a lot of people have speculated that sounded like a, a classified, one senator even said this. I think it was the um, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin stated that sounded like the briefing I received as a senator. So did Hunter Biden have access to those classified documents. He had access to the house that it were found in. Did he have access and was that used? Because this goes back when it was sent in 2014. And we had the latest batch found classified documents that dated back to his time in the Senate. So we will have to see how this investigation plays what out. What about Ukraine just being like the center of their uh, money laundering kind of situation? You've, I know... You only report on facts. This is definitely hearsay. You're talking about money laundering between the Bidens and the Ukrainians? Well, more or less, like, we've seen a lot of our uh, Congress people and senators, including, you know, go up there, up to Ukraine, almost like checking on, checking in or checking up on what is going on over there when they didn't need to be there. Well, that's standard where pull, uh, congressional leaders, whether in the House or the Senate, Go to countries where we have a vested interest. That's that's a standard. You have some of the key committees that go out and see what's going on, investigate and see how that happens. Mm-hmm. Actually, for the money laundering, that was the heart of the Hunter Biden laptop because he had connections to Ukraine, China, Russia. Did he benefit utilizing his father's influence? Well, like that's we what we know. But, I mean, so from a lot that I'm hearing on, like, maybe like my end, is that, um, you know, and, you know, you can prove it right or, you know, you can denounce it because that's what you do. But it's like, I'm pretty sure Ray has heard it too, is like, hey, uh, Ukraine is like the, the the hub or the center of all this money laundering. We're sending all this money to Ukraine, gets built to Ukraine, goes back into the pockets of the politicians that are putting the money there. And that's where Americans need to understand from the Biden administration is how that money is being spent. And there's a, and he's very vague on a lot of stuff. He has he doesn't hold press conferences like previous presidents have done. He doesn't hold news conferences. So if you do ask him a question, he just stiff arms you mm-hmm. or he only will ask pre-prescribed questions from pre-prescribed reporters. Okay. But see that's where oversight needs to happen. How is this money spent? But this goes back to the fundamental issue. What are we trying to accomplish? What is our strategy? If you look at any like Clausewitz or Sun Tzu, you have to have a strategy. Otherwise, the strategy is going to be dictated for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the problem I have with Joe Biden. What are you trying to do? So if you but, but here, last point, yeah. if you're complaining that the war in Ukraine by Russia is causing inflation, rising gas prices, food prices, what are you doing to end it so you can alleviate that, alleviate that issue for Americans? 
And so, I haven't heard him say anything about that. I just want to sidebar just for a second, and we'll go sure. back onto our conversation. But for Helen Palmer, seven hundred is she's very, very provided. So, but can you just let me let us know, including the people that are, are looking at us on TikTok, what positive or good things has Biden done so far being in this administration for two plus years? Um, I think the one <laughs> dig no, deep. <laughs> no, I think the one thing he's not as. Um, confrontational as President Trump was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was because everybody was against Trump. He's not as confrontational, so he's more low-key. He's like, you know, low-key Joe, so he's more kind of on that aspect. But when it comes to, um, on a policy note, that's where I'm having a problem because a lot of his policies, like how his, his, his massive spending and um, started the, the American on the path to inflation. Now, yeah. that wasn't me saying this. That was the former Treasury Secretary for Hillary, I mean, for um, Bill Clinton okay. and the senior economic advisor to um, B uh, Barack Obama. That was um, Larry Summers. He said all this spending contributed. And even Steve Ratner, who was a senior economic advisor to Barack Obama, said the same thing. All right. So... Perry Bodine, too, hopefully I said that right, uh, said all the money that has been sent to the Ukraine should have been used right here to help Americans. I disagree with that. No, no, but the, I, dis I disagree with that depending on how you, you use the money because you can't just give America's money because we're, we're then inflation will go up to 20, 30 percent because – Oh, let's help them out. No, we're the reason why we have inflation, as you explained it, is that we don't have too few goods and we have too much money. So there needs to be a balance. If he were to take that money and to maybe put it into helping produce more goods for the Americans, that would initially decrease inflation. But there's two aspects to that. The first part is, I mean, the argument he says that most people said, why don't we use the money here in America? Why are we helping everybody around the world? But people need to realize America has a global uh, global role to play, whether you agree with it or not. Mm -hmm. Because if we every time America stepped back from the world stage, the, there's someone's got to fill that vacuum, and it's not going to be the country that we don't um, that's going to have our best interest, like China, Russia, Iran. Now the other problem is. Look how the money is being spent that we spend domestically in America. Take the best thing that I keep pushing for many podcasts. Look at education. Mm -hmm. America spends $800 billion on education. Look at the hundreds of – we spent $300 billion extra through to give it through our educational system throughout the country. And then when the national report card came out in October of last year, showed we regressed – back 30 years our math and reading scores plummeted and then if you look at the ethnic minorities where i i really push on this 70 percent of black and hispanic children are deficient at grade level when it comes to math and science mm -hmm. then look at their infrastructure how do we spend our money where does it go has anybody seen any new infrastructure projects look at the va where we came from we spend billions and all we do is allocate more money and more money instead of looking at where does the money go? Do we need all these government agencies? Do we need all these different departments? That's the point that I get to is we have to look at all that stuff and reform how we spend money. Government just gets larger and larger, and they become less effective over time. 
John, I, I, me and you have had this conversation several times about about money and and until you know we see some sort of report on where that money is going, I have a tough time sending American money to a country Most that we have do. no idea where that money's going. We've seen the corruption in the Ukrainian government. I mean, what, three days ago or something like that, the Ukrainian defense minister had to resign. So, I mean, there, there's but see, but corruption the in the government. I, yeah, but that's the point that I keep going back to when I disagree with how President Biden is doing it. When you don't explain things, right. you don't have an, an accountability, the questions you have, and the listener who had a um, – not listener, the call-in said – why don't we spend it here? Because people, well, they don't know where it's going or how it's being spent. And but it's you a lot of money. And it's a lot of money. And you don't explain it. Yeah. And then when you say we got to cut spending here, but we're given, then you can see why people are concerned. I'm concerned. Where does that money go? How are we doing? Money but and if, ammunition. That's huge. But if you are saying all these problems are caused because Russia invaded Ukraine, okay, then what are you doing to, f to end the war. So before we end, <clears throat> why don't we get to our beach baby, one of our favorites. Oh, yes, our beach baby. All right, so for over 40 years, we have been told we need more money for our schools. Where has it has the money gone? And that's that's <laughs> probably, no, that is probably the best question. Yeah. Where has the money gone? Because if you base it off of performance and um, results, we're at the bottom. If you look at America compared to the rest of the world in science and math and all these other core uh, subjects, we're not at the top. But a lot of it goes to administrative costs. A lot of it goes to salaries. For And I'm not talking the teachers. I'm talking the superintendents and the corruption at that level. Then you look at the universities. We have one of the best universities in the country, but where do we spend all that money? These universities make big money. They jack up the price, so that means more student loan debt for students. We haven't fixed that problem. You look at the teachers' union. Randy Weingarten, she heads the second largest teachers' union. She makes about $500,000 a year. You have Robert Reich. He was a labor secretary under Bill Clinton. He always talks about this stuff. But yet when he, he taught one class at UC Berkeley, made about $400,000 a year. Most professors don't make that kind of money. So we need to audit all our, our, our universities and colleges who receive federal funding, and we also need to audit all our K-12. through Where did all that billions of dollars in COVID money go? They just filled holes. California, has a, they're at the bottom, and they spend the most. New Jersey spends $18,000 per person, per student, to go to school. They're at the bottom of education. So where does the money go? And that what she said is a great question, and it needs to be answered. All right. So, John, if anybody, especially people who are listening to us on um, all our social medias, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they? And oh, hold on. I want to call some people out for real quick because we have looked at the numbers, and there is a good amount of people that listen to this show Perfect. every single week. And we want to thank we, you for doing that. We see that. But you do not interact with us, and it, it's, it's very upsetting. Interact with us. Get us an email, message us on one of the social medias so we can see it and we can engage and then we can answer your question or whatever it is you have. And how can he do that? Yeah, because what Joe was talking about, what we want to do this is do this every day, Monday through Friday, because there's a lot of topics. and A lot of times we have to wait till Wednesday. Maybe not Friday. 
Yeah, but at least, but we want to do this so we can get more information out and just talk about issues that we want to get our country back on track. Mm -hmm. But you can reach us by going to Ubaldi. John, I mean, oh, Ubaldi reports at, um, at gmail.com. Ubaldi reports at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, definitely TikTok. Let us know what you what you think. Your website, John? And my website is ubaldireports.com. Check us out on that. And John is the published author of what book, John? It is The New Business Brigade, Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans. Yes. So, and Ray, Ray is our Second Amendment guru. Ray, how can he get a hold of you? Uh, you get a hold of me at uh, raymond.aags at gmail.com. Uh, we could talk anything gun control, the recent uh, mass shootings, uh, the pistol brace uh, rule that is in a lawsuit, and that's in limbo. Um, and I am also a uh, gunsmith. Uh, I do some work over at John's place, um, and that work has been coming in. So if you need any uh, questions or any work done, uh, you can email me at that email of raymond.aags at gmail.com, and we can... We can talk there. Yeah, and Ray knows this stuff, and then there's Joe. Joe has a website. I mean, Ray and I, we have a other website uh, called All American Gunslingers. <clears throat> you can go ahead and get us there. We're going to be on TikTok here in about a few minutes. So we kind of get a little bit more different. We don't different. We, they get edgier. We don't. We we get away from the political talk. We kind of go more into guns. Let's just put it cigars, this way. When liquor. You got, when you got whiskey <laughs> in front of you, it's like the devil's nectar. These guys get a little bit more. Animated, so animated. And uh, we'll be talking about that, and you can reach us at allamericangunslingers at gmail .com. and you can get us on all social media platforms, All American Gunslingers, unless you want to go on Twitch, which is All American Pew Pew Slingers. And uh, we will see you guys there in a little bit. Yeah, and keep following Ubaldi Reports, and let your friends and family know about Ubaldi Reports, run by veterans. Till next time, till next Wednesday at seven thirty Eastern Standard Time. Keep following Ubaldi Reports.